Thanks for tuning into this week's message. For more resources and information about Cedar Valley, please visit cvchurch.org. Hey church, we've had an amazing week at Mega Sports Camp and I wanted to share just some highlights with you. Because of your generosity and your investment in the next generation, you have made all of this possible. And we've had about 200 kids come throughout the week to hear that we love them, but most importantly, that Jesus loves them. Every day they got to participate in soccer, basketball, flag football, and cheerleading to learn what it means to have a heart of a champion. So thank you for your investment of prayer, most importantly, but also your investment of time for our over 60 people who volunteered this week, who gave of themselves so generously all week long. Thank you so much. Because of you, we have started something big, not just in our church, but in our community, in our Jerusalem. And we're so excited to see where Mega Sports Camp goes in the future. Good morning, everybody. If you're new, I'm Neil. I'm the lead pastor here. Mega Sports Camp was the bomb. It was awesome. We had such a good time. And man, let me just say this. Uh, You all just... Man, if if you're not aware of this, Daryl Velasco, you got some moves still, brother. That was, yeah, you got some moves still, right? And so I I just want you to know, man, it's it's happening. Like we saw the community just walking in. We saw the community just walking with their kids. We had uh, at lunch at the park, because we've been doing that in the summers, we served almost 400 hot dogs. They were just lined up in this big circle. And, and so it was great. I mean, it was, it was really good. Our volunteers are awesome. Some of you just jumped in and you were here all morning, all week. And it was awesome. Some of you gave financially. And I just want you to hear this. It was worth it. It was worth every minute that we were there. It was worth every everything. It was, it was phenomenal. We saw seeds planted and who knows how the kingdom of God is going to expand because of that. I will tell you this on a personal note because we don't have kids. We, we've never had kids. And so some things about kids are, are new or are different to me. And when you're in the gym, it, first of all, it's herding cats. That's what it really is. And we're in the gym and we're herding cats and small kids would just walk up to you and just say the most random things. Like we're in the middle of everything and, and kids will walk up to you and they'll just be like, we have a dog. I was like, okay, let's, let's get you back in line. Let's get you, you know. And so one day we're standing in line and this boy comes up to me and he goes, he goes, uh, he just stands in front of me. He goes, hey, pick me up and hold me over your head. And I was like, I was like, okay. So I kind of go like this and I'm like, oh man, I said, you're too big and I just can't lift you. And he goes, my dad can lift me all the way up over his head. And I said, I said, well, your dad's a big, strong dude. And he goes, yeah, my dad's a lot younger than you are. I said, oh, guess who gets a timeout? For the rest of camp, 
It was awesome. I'm just telling you, it was awesome. Hey, we're finishing up our series in the book of Luke. I will tell you this, we have today and then we have two weeks left, and we're going to end with the last step, we're going to end right at that time, because we won't go into the whole crucifixion story, because we kind of save that for later, we'll teach that later in the year, in particular at Easter, and so we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 19 today, and so we'll have two weeks left after the day, and I'm telling you, I really think you want to be here, I think you want to be in the house, if you're online this morning, by the way, good, uh, good morning, and if you're online, I think you ought to come and be in the house, I think you ought to join with us, I think you ought to be encouraged. I think you ought to be an encourager, but we'll have two weeks after this. I think you're going to want to be here. I think you, you want to be a part of it. This is Luke chapter 19, Luke chapter 19. And when you get that, would you just stand to your feet for me? If you're new here, we always stand when we read our primary text and primarily to serve as a reminder to us that this is now God speaking to his people right here in 2022 today. I believe God has a word for us. So this is chapter uh, 19, and I'm starting in verse 1, follow along. It says, Jesus entered Jericho, and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, and he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. And so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass that way. Verse 5, when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. Zacchaeus quickly climbed down and took Jesus to his house in great excitement and joy. But the people were displeased. He's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. Verse 8, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I'll give half my wealth to the poor. And if I have cheated people on their taxes, I'll give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. Verse 10, for the son of man came to seek and to save those who are lost. Let's pray. So Father, we thank you for your holy word. And we just thank you for the truth and the life that it speaks to us, O oh God. We thank you for what it is that you have to say to us today, for what you want to reveal to us, how you want to show yourself to us today. God, I'm grateful for that. I thank you that your Holy Spirit is here and is among us. And so, Spirit, we would ask, would you give us understanding? Would you draw us? Would you give us understanding this morning? We pray all these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. But you guys can be seated. So one of the things I don't think we're great at in the church is, is just always being real objective. I, I don't know that we're necessarily always real objective about how are we portrayed and how are we viewed by the outside world and what is the outside world and I'm not saying that we need to shape our behavior around that but I'm just not sure we're aware of it and I think if, if, you, if you just took a giant step back and you look at the way we do things inside the church and the way that we think sometimes I think you would have to understand that the outside world doesn't get it and in fact the outside doesn't, world doesn't get it to the extent that at times the outside world says those folks church, church folks they sure are weird like, they just do some different things. They just do some weird things. They do some things that we don't understand, right? So, for instance, here's one of them. Like, just imagine for a second that you're not a church person. You didn't grow up in the church, and you stand and you witness it, and, and baptism just happened. 
And you're sitting next to someone and you say, that dude just grabbed the other dude and stuck his head under the water. <laughs> and the other dude would say, oh, did he get up and smack him? And the other dude would go, no, he gave him a hug. <laughs> like those church folks are just weird. Like here's what, I don't know if you know this, but did you know this, that in, in the first century Roman Empire, that one of the accusations about Christians and one of the criticisms about Christians, true story, some of you know this, is that the early Christians were said to be cannibals. They believed that Christians were cannibals for this reason, because of our communion. The, those Christians, they're always talking about eating the body and drinking the blood. And so the actual thought in the Roman Empire in the first century was that those Christian folks are weird. There's something weird about them. The outside world believed that about Christians. We just have weird thoughts as Christians. We say, oh, the first will be last and the last will be first. Okay, that's not the way of the world. The world is all about being first. The world is about being a winner. In fact, we say this in the world, second place winner is the first place loser. Don't we? Like, it's just not, it's just not. Now, here's the deal. I kind of expect that for the outside world to look at the church. I, I don't expect them to understand everything that we do. But I think the truth is, in the church sometimes, I'm not sure we always understand. I'm not sure that we fully understand God, that we fully understand God's kingdom, that we fully understand the way that God wants to work. I'm not sure that we all get it. And so one of the questions that I would ask us to consider this morning is this, what might God want us to understand that we don't understand about God? I, I believe with all my heart, I believe this, I believe God has such a powerful word this morning, and I think he wants to explain something to us. I think we have to ask this question, what might, what might we, God want us to understand that we don't understand about God? What is that? And I think he's going to tell us this morning. I think he's going to speak to everybody. And, and I can tell you this, and I, and, and I say this all the time, but man, one of the greatest things about my job, and one of the things that I, I love about my job, I, I actually get paid to study this stuff. Like, I get a paycheck for doing that. But one of the things that I hate about my job is that I have to sit and study this stuff because it just ruins me all the time. And this is another one of those that, that, that just kind of does that. So look at, your, look at your passage, Luke chapter 19 and verse 1. He starts out and it says, Jesus entered Jericho and made his way through the town. So, so we know that, again, Jerusalem, or uh, uh, the nation of Israel, up north, right? It's this big strip like this, up north is Galilee, then you have Samaria in the middle, down below is Judea. Judea is where Jerusalem is, the capital city. And about 60 miles straight east of Jerusalem, right, is Jericho. Some of you will remember this, that the Israelites came out of bondage in Egypt where they'd been slaves for 400 years. When they get out, they wander around the desert for 40 years. Finally, Moses dies, now Joshua takes over. And Joshua's gonna take him into the promised land and so they have to cross the river that was pathetic. They crossed the river Jordan. Thank you. They crossed the river Jordan. And one of their first battles was at the city of Jericho. Right, because Jericho is right there next to the Jordan River. It's about 60 miles to the east of Jerusalem, right up against the Jordan River. And so Jesus enters Jericho and notices he makes his way through the town. So this is not Jesus lollygagging. This is not well, I wonder what's going on here. No, he's on mission. Jesus is headed through Jericho, and he's on mission. And you're going to see that, that he is absolutely on mission. Then it says, there's a man named, there named Zacchaeus. Now, what do we know about Zacchaeus? He was a wee little man. If you did not grow up in the church, Zacchaeus was a wee little man and a 
We little man was he. Yes, it was. And so if you didn't grow up in the church, it's just one of those great church kids songs about Zacchaeus. So we know this about Zacchaeus and he was the chief tax collector in the region. So I'll say this again because I say this all the time because you got to have context because you need to understand this. Everybody hated tax collectors. They hated tax collectors. Tax collectors were Jews who were, who were working for the Roman government who was oppressing the Jews and they were extorting their own people, the Jews. And this guy wasn't just a tax collector. He was the chief tax collector. And remember this, the chief tax collector, what you do is you head to Rome and you ask to have a territory. That's basically what happened. I want to have this territory. And Rome says, great, that's your territory. You oversee it. You collect taxes in that region. Rome doesn't care what you charge for taxes. Rome only cares that Rome gets what Rome needs, right? They get what they want. And so here's what you do. You have this evil multi-level marketing scheme. And so I'm going to get two tax collectors and they're going to get two and it's going to work all the way down. And the money just keeps working its way. I don't care what you're charging. Just give me what I want because Rome's got to have what they want. And so as a result of him working that, it says this, that he had become very rich. What you need to know is this. Everybody hates him. Everybody hates the Zacchaeus guy. He's a Jew, and all the other Jews hate him. And it says this, that Zacchaeus tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd. He was trying. He desperately wanted to see Jesus. Zacchaeus wanted to, and this word look, he wanted to get a look at Jesus, really means this idea. He wanted to experience Jesus. Now remember this, he's very corrupt and he's very hated. And I say this because I say this every time because Christians, I think this ought to speak to us. Church folks, I think this ought to speak to us. I think we need to be aware of this. People that were nothing like Jesus, right? They were nothing like Jesus, liked Jesus. Is that always true of us in the church? Like people who are nothing like us, do they like us? Okay, just hold on to that, right? I think we, I think we always got to remember that. People are nothing like Jesus, so he's trying to get a look at Jesus. He wants to experience Jesus, but he's too short. He can't see over the crowd. Everywhere Jesus goes, there's a crowd. People want to be around Jesus. They want to see Jesus. They want to experience Jesus. Just be aware of that. There's a big crowd there. And so what does Zacchaeus do? He runs ahead. He climbs up Sycamore fig tree beside the road because Jesus was going to pass that way. This guy's doing the math. He's coursing things out. And he's like, oh, I can't see Jesus. They're going to be there. Boom. He runs ahead and he gets up in this tree. Now, in my head, and I say this all the time, I'm extremely visual. Like some of you are visual like me. And so when you read a story, you got this film strip going in your head and you see these pictures. And when I see this, this is where this gets really weird for me because there's a man in a tree. Like that's just weird to me. But for me, it goes a little bit further because when I see Zacchaeus, this is who I see. It's Danny DeVito. <laughs> Zacchaeus for me, man, is Danny DeVito. Danny DeVito is up in a tree because he wants to see Jesus. And if that isn't weird enough, he's probably wearing a skirt. It's just weird. Right? So that's what I see. And so he runs ahead. Y'all don't remember Danny DeVito? It says when Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and very importantly, he calls him by name. Like, worst dude of all worst dudes, the dude that everybody hates. Remember, Jesus is on a mission, and he knows his name. Listen to me, listen to me. If you think you're far away from God, if you think you've done some terrible things, if you think God could never acknowledge you, God could never accept you, I'm going to tell you this. He knows your name. 
the God of heaven, the creator of everything, he knows your name. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how far you think you are away from God. I promise you this. He knows your name, and our God is the God who pursues. He is after Zacchaeus. God pursues him. It says he calls him by name. Zacchaeus, he said. Now, stop and think. He's the dude who's really hated. He's the dude who's really hated, and there's a whole crowd there. What is the crowd thinking? Well, the crowd is now thinking, it's about time. Jesus is calling him out by name, and this boy is about to get what's coming to him. He's going to get his. Jesus is going to let him have it. I'm so glad you hate him. I hate him. We all hate Zacchaeus. Finally, Jesus, the great teacher, the rabbi, he's about to let this dude have it. And so Jesus says, quick, come down. I got to be at your, a guest in your home today. I'm sorry, what? What just happened here? Because because that's not right. Like, why would he be, do you understand what it means to have dinner with somebody in the ancient Near Eastern culture? When you have dinner in someone's home, that is a relationship. That is saying, Zacchaeus, I'm not just looking to go to your house because I'm hungry. I'm saying, Zacchaeus, I want to be in relationship with you. That dude, that terrible dude, the dude that we all hate, that we just thought was going to get his, and now Jesus says, oh, no, 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 I'm not giving you yours. I'm saying I want to be in a relationship with you. He's showing extreme kindness to Zacchaeus. And so, right there, but the people, the people are displeased. They're angry. The people are upset. They say to themselves, he's gone to be the guest of a notorious sinner. This is somebody that everybody knows is a sinner. Everybody knew the name Zacchaeus because Zacchaeus is a giant piece of trash. That's what they all thought. And so they know his name. And Jesus says to that guy, oh, I want to be in relationship with you. And the people at the top of their lungs would have been screaming this. That's not fair. Remember, there's a whole crowd. Do you remember that? There's a whole crowd of people. Pick somebody that's a little bit, I'm, I'm better. I mean, I'm a little bit better than Zacchaeus. I've been chasing after you. I've been following after you. I would love to have dinner with you, Jesus. I would like to be in a relationship with you. Why didn't you pick me out? How do you pick out that dude? Like, that's just not right. How does this happen? How on earth does that happen? Now, when you read that, when you see the story, and it seems odd, that should force us to start asking some questions. What is Jesus up to here? What's he trying to tell us? What is this Jesus like? What's he all about? What is he doing? The reality is we don't understand it. We, we, we don't understand this upside down world of Jesus. It's so countercultural. Jesus is, 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 trying to, is trying to show them something. Now listen, there's another place in the scripture where Jesus is trying to do the same thing. He's trying to explain to him what he's like, what God is like, what the kingdom of God is like. You don't have to turn to it. If you'd like to, you can. It's Matthew chapter 20, but you can turn to it if you like. But Jesus is going to do the same thing. He's trying to make a point here. In Matthew chapter 20, he says this, for the kingdom of heaven is like... Like, listen, I'm going to tell you something. I'm going to tell you a story, but the, I want you to know this. The whole reason I'm telling you this to you is because I want you to understand what the kingdom of heaven is like, meaning this. I want you to understand God. I want you to understand what God is like. In particular, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, which really we say a Christ follower, a disciple of Jesus. If you're going to call yourself that, you need to understand this is what God is like. That's what Jesus is doing. 
Because nobody understands. Nobody gets it. It's so countercultural for us. And he says, for the kingdom of heaven is like. And I want, you to, I want you to just get this and start asking this question. Remember, we said this, and this is why Jesus is saying this. Because God wants us to understand so many of the things that we don't understand about God. That's why he's now saying the kingdom of heaven is like. That, that's what he's trying to explain to us. Right. So he says this, the kingdom of heaven is like. It's like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. Now, understand this in, in this context. A landowner, just so you know this, a landowner is the one in control. Now, this is a parable. Jesus is telling a story with a specific intention here. He's telling a parable, and he's using the landowner. The landowner calls all the shots. The landowner is in control. They're the person in this story who's in control. And really, the only thing the landowner cares about is the land. They care about the crops. They care about their money. That's what they care about. Landowners, as a general rule, in, in, in the normal realms of society, landowners don't care about people. They care about profits. They care about, they care about their land. And he's saying this. He goes out early one morning, and we're assuming it's probably like 6 o'clock in the morning, and he's looking for workers. The landowner has land. He's got a crop that's coming up, but he doesn't have any workers. And so he goes out to look for workers for his vineyard. And he agrees to pay the normal daily wage, and he sends them out to his work. Many translations say a denarius. A denarius was a day's worth of work. So let's just do simple math here just to, to make it real to us. If you were a laborer today, and you're making 20 bucks an hour, and I'm just pulling numbers out for to make this e easy math, right? If, if you were working for $20 an hour, a day's wage would be about 160 bucks. So he's saying, send them out for a denarius, for a day's wage. In our translation, let's just say it's about 160 bucks. Like, they're not working. They're not working. They, they don't have anything that they're doing, and he needs them because he's got crops to harvest. So he says this, you guys all head down to the corner. There's going to be a shuttle that comes by. The shuttle will pick you up. It's going to take you to my place. You'll work all day long, and I'm going to pay you a fair day's wage. Are you good with that? He makes, the, he makes the arrangements, and they all agree to it. They all get on the bus, they go down to the vineyard, and they start work. Everybody's agreed to it, right? Then it tells us in verse 3 that says, at 9 o'clock. Now we're saying this is probably three hours later. Three hours later in the day, at 9 o'clock in the morning, he's passing through the marketplace. And now he sees some more people, and they're just standing around doing nothing. These people aren't working either. The other people, 6 o'clock, got on the shuttle and went to the field. They've already been working three hours. Now he runs into this group. They're not doing anything. Verse 4 and 5, it says, so he hires them. And he tells them, I'll pay you, ready for this, whatever is right. I'm just going to pay you folks whatever is right. I'll pay you whatever is right at the end of the day. And so they go to the vineyard. They go down to the corner. They get on the shuttle. They go down to his field. They start working. That was at 9 o'clock in the morning. At noon and at 3. Wait a minute. First group starts at 6 o'clock. Then he sends a group out at 9 o'clock. Now it's at noon, six hours later. It's at 3, nine hours even after the first group, right? They did the exact same thing. It's noon. It's three. He finds them. They're not working. How come you folks aren't working? Well, we don't have a job. Head down to the corner. Get on the shuttle. The shuttle's going to take you to my place. You're going to work. I'm going to pay you whatever is fair. I will pay you what's fair. Verse 6. At 5 o'clock. Wait a minute. First group started at 6. Then he finds another group three hours later at 9. Another three hours. Total of six hours later at noon. Another three hours. Nine hours total difference, right? He's hiring them. Now at 5. Now think about this. If they're going to work till 6 o'clock at night, let's just say 6 o'clock at night. 
These folks are going to walk down to the corner, get on the shuttle, go to his field. Maybe they work for 45 minutes. Maybe they work for a half hour. Maybe, let's be really generous. Let's say maybe they work for an hour. Maybe they work for an hour, right? He was in town again. He saw some more people standing around. He says, why haven't you guys been working today? And they say, hey, nobody hired us. The landowner told them, right? Go out, join the, the, the others in my vineyard. Go to the corner, get on the shuttle, head to my field. Okay, that evening, now they're all done working. That evening, he told the foreman to call the workers in and pay them and begin with the last workers first. Start with the very last ones. Maybe they've worked 30 minutes. Maybe they've worked 45 minutes. Let's be generous. Let's say maybe they've worked for an hour. Let's start with that group first. Let's get them paid. And when those hired at 5 o'clock were paid, each of them received, wait a minute, not 30 minutes worth of work, not 45 minutes worth of work. They didn't get paid for an hour's worth of work. They got paid a full day's wage. Now, you got to think about this. The people who were very, the very first workers, they started at 6 o'clock in the morning. These people are jacked right now because they say, if those got, maybe he didn't mean a denarius. Maybe he meant a denarius an hour. Maybe that's what he was talking about. Like, like those people are super excited because they know they have just hit the mother load. They started at 6 o'clock in the morning. These people worked maybe 45 minutes and they got paid a full day's wage. I started at 6. I'm, I'm cashing in. And when those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more. They're super jacked. They're super jacked. These people are excited. Now listen, some of you already know this story. And some of you have never read this story. And if you, if you know this story, and you're familiar with this story, I hate this story. <laughs> like, this stuff just makes me real uncomfortable. It's very unsettling. And I will tell you this. It's one of the things that says to me, these are indeed the words of Jesus. Because no one else thinks like this. No one else teaches like this. No one else writes like this. Paul didn't write this way. Peter didn't write this way. John didn't write this way. James didn't write this way. Nobody else taught this stuff. Nobody else wrote this stuff. Right? For those of you who are like that and you know this story, it's unsettling. It's uncomfortable. It's very uncomfortable. Those hired first came to get their pay, and they assumed that they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. Now something's not right here. Like, this is, this is, this is not right. This, this just doesn't seem, it's unsettling to us because it doesn't seem fair. This isn't fairness. It doesn't seem right at all. And those people worked only one hour, they complained. They're grumbling, they're ticked. They only worked one hour, and yet you paid them just as much as you paid us who worked all day in the scorching heat. Do you see what they're doing? Do you understand what they're doing? They're comparing. See, they're comparing. We do this all the time. This is how we determine these things is we compare. We say they're not like us. They're no different than the people in the story of Zacchaeus because the people in the story of Zacchaeus said, I'm not perfect, but I'm better than that piece of junk Zacchaeus. Look at me, God. I go to church. Sometimes I drop money in the bucket. Every once in a while I serve. Like I'm doing it kind of right. Like this isn't feeling right to us. It's unsettling. It's uncomfortable, right? They only worked an hour. We worked. We worked. This is us. Jeez. Like, like this is us. We worked all day long in the scorching heat. 
And he answers them. Now, this is the landowner. This is still all inside of the parable. He says, friend, I haven't been unfair. I, I, I haven't been unjust. Didn't you agree to work all day for the usual wage? Remember, the landowner, he made the agreement, but they agreed to it. D didn't I give you what I said I was going to give you? Didn't I do exactly what I said I was going to do? Like, isn't that the way it went? See, he says, is it against the law for me to do what I want with my own money? No, 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 no. I mean, it's not, no, I, it's not against the law. I, I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say it's against the law. And then he's about to drop the bomb on him. Remember, Jesus, this is Jesus telling a story. He's got a point to make. He, he's talking to people about this. This, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It's so counterculture. It's so revolutionary. God's world is so upside down. It's just not the way that we think. And so then he asks them this question. Should you be jealous because I'm kind to others? Should you be jealous? Should you be resentful? Should you resent the fact that I'm good to other people? Right? This word jealous, it means this, to, experience, to actually experience pain or agony as if something evil had happened. He says, should you people be experiencing some kind of pain, some kind of agony because I chose to be kind, because I showed goodness to other people? No, 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 I'm, no, don't, you, don't get me wrong. I don't you to take me out of context here. I'm not experiencing this kind of pain. I'm not really experiencing this kind of agony. I mean, like, not that. that, that that's not really about. See, here's the problem. And this is the challenge that we have, right? See, we compare to determine fair. That's what we do. In our kingdom, in this kingdom, we compare. We compare, right? Look, look, look Jesus, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying like, I, I'm, I mean, you didn't treat us equal. And, and I, look, look, I'm just saying they're, well, they're not equal. I'll just say that. Right? I'm better than that. I mean, I'm, I'm better than that. We compare to determine fair. That's what we do. But the reality is that God's grace never compares. God's grace doesn't compare. God's grace doesn't say, well, you're the, so we got to get, because isn't that kids? Don't kids do that all the time? It's not fair. Okay, but are we that much different? Like this for me, I'll just tell you this. When I read this, it's unsettling. You know why? Because I'm Jack's kid. Because you know Jack did? Jack worked for the city for years and years and worked a couple nights a week at the liquor store down on the corner where all the neighbors knew him. And he mowed two yards on the weekend. And in our family, we get up and go to work. And you know how we make money? The old-fashioned way. We earn it. And not only that, man, but I've been going to church since, since I can ever remember. I've been reading my Bible since I was in elementary school. Right? Like, I do it right. I do it the right way, God. And I've been following longer. And these people, well, they're just not as good as me. And maybe, maybe, maybe this is just me. Maybe some of you can identify with this. Like maybe we think this way sometimes because we've been going to church forever. And Jesus is saying, oh, but this is what God's kingdom is like. See, God, God doesn't use comparison. That's not how we determine fair because God's grace isn't about fair. God's grace isn't about being fair. God's grace isn't fair. And here's the beauty of it. And this is your big so what? See, God's grace is better than fair. But that's God's grace. It's always better than fair. 
You know, one of the things that we say, because one of the descriptions that I like about Jesus the very best is from John chapter one, that says Jesus is the fullness of grace and truth. See, grace can never be separated from the truth. And you want to know the truth? The truth is all of us have sinned and God's kindness has been extended to all of us. And so this is what I think. I think God's wanting to speak to two groups of people today. That's what I think. I think God wants to get at two of us today, two types of people. And maybe, maybe, maybe you can identify with me. Like we've been going to church forever and we just do it better and we're just right. And we're just a little bit better. And well, well God, they're not equal. And I think God wants to say to us today, hey, 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 the truth is this, you've all sinned and you've all received my grace. And the reason that that's so important followers of Jesus is because this, Jesus calls us to participate in that grace. Like he's calling us, will you participate? If you're gonna be a follower of mine, if you're gonna be a disciple, if you're gonna call yourself a true follower of Jesus, then he's saying this, then you gotta get on board and you gotta participate in this grace with me. And you gotta not only receive it, you gotta extend it. You gotta be extending grace because it's not about us comparing with other folks and going, well, I'm just kind of better than them. Why, why do we seem to feel some kind of pain, pain and agony when God just shows his kindness to someone else? Why can't we celebrate that? Why can't we rejoice with that? Because the reality is it's been extended to us. And I don't care who you are. You have received God's grace, period. But see, this is what I think is so important about this. Because I said, I think he's, he's speaking to two, two, two groups of people today. And I think the other group of people, I, I believe this. Because you know there were a group, there was a group they were just totally bummed about this. No, no. But you gotta understand that there was a group that when they heard this story, they were rejoicing. They were rejoicing. You know who it was? It's all the prodigal kids. And some of you sitting in here in this room this morning, if, if you were really honest, you said, I've been kind of a prodigal kid and I've been running from God. And I am so far away from God. And the God of heaven, the God of creation that you talk about could never accept me. I'm like, oh, listen to me. That God is the God who pursues. That God pursued Zacchaeus and he knew his name and he went after him. He was on mission and he pursued him. And he's saying, listen, man, you've, you've heard from too many church folks. Maybe you've heard from too many church folks and, and they make you feel like that, like, ah, I only work for about 30 minutes. Maybe I'm not quite as good. And God is saying, no, not in my kingdom. In my kingdom, everybody gets grace. Everybody gets grace. Everybody gets grace. Like there's forgiveness for everybody. And so maybe you're one of those and you feel like you're so far away from God and you say, Neil, your God, this God of heaven, this God of heaven could never accept me, could never extend grace to me. And I'm like, well, then you don't know our God. Our God in a heartbeat is ready to extend that grace to you. He knows your name. He's pursuing you right now. If you can hear this message, you're not here by mistake. If you tuned in, you're not here by mistake. The God of heaven wants you to hear this. I know your name and I'm coming. 
I am after you. And I want to be a guest in your home. Like, I want to have a relationship with you. That's the God of heaven. Right? God's grace is so much better than fair. I'm so glad I didn't get what was fair. Because fair is this, Neil, you're a sinner and you deserve hell. See, that's fair. The God of heaven says, Neil, this is what I've done for you. This is what I've done for anybody that can hear this. I've done this. I sent my son to die for you. It is by grace that you are all, every one of you, this is how you're saved. It's by grace through placing your faith in Christ. And so then we have a big now what, and the big now what this morning is simply this, receive and extend grace. Like, can I just say this? First of all, church people, we need to be extending grace. We need to be a people of grace. We need to be known for our grace. We want folks to see grace and go, oh, those are, those are, those are God's, God's people. But what if, what if we were also to receive it? Because receiving it is for some of you who don't know Christ, you haven't had a relationship with Christ, and it's one of the big reasons you don't think God could accept you. Sometimes there's church folks, man, you've been following Jesus all your life, but you still walk around with your head down because you still feel not quite as good as. You think the God of heaven is just angry at you all the time. God's like, no, I'm extending my grace. I'm extending my grace. I'm extending my grace. He calls us to participate in it. We participate in it when we receive his grace. And then when we extend it, extend his grace. I love the way that we extend his grace even as we fellowship together. I love how you all do that. Like after service, if you're new, it's just weird. This is a weird place. Strange people will just walk up and introduce themselves to you. Like that's extending God's grace. Just, just a simple act like that, right? So the call today is live in grace, participate in grace, receive it and extend it. Bow your heads with me, would you? Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your kingdom. God, your kingdom is so counterintuitive. It's just so upside down. It's so different, God. Thank you for explaining it to us. God, help us to take that in. Help us to understand it. Help us to walk in it, to live in it. Hey, I'm just curious with your heads bowed, with your heads bowed, nobody's looking around. But if you're just saying, man, Neil, I kind of identify with you. Like sometimes maybe I, I'm not real good at extending grace. Because yeah, there's, I've been in the church so long Maybe sometimes I'm just not real good at extending grace because I compare. If that's you this morning, I just want to pray for you. Just pop your hand up real quick so I can see. Yeah, yeah. It's good to know I'm not the only one. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah, yeah. Amen. Love that. Appreciate your honesty. So good. So, Father, for those who just acknowledge that, God, would you help us? Would you help us? Would you help us just to be instruments of your grace, God? Would you help us just to extend grace? God, I, I pray that the world would just see us and go, wow, I want their God. I want their God. I want that God. I pray that we would make you a, just attractive, that they would desire you, that the Holy Spirit would work through us. Thank you, Lord. But I also think there are plenty of people that, that are both here in the room and you're online and maybe you're watching this six months from now, but you just say, Neil, if I'm really honest, I just... I show up for church every once in a while or I happen to be checking it out today, but 
I don't, I don't believe and with all my heart, I just don't believe that that God could ever accept me. You don't know what I've done. Like, well, you're right, you're right. I don't know what you've done. Truth is you don't know what I've done. You don't know what any of us have done. But my testimony is that the God of heaven has extended his grace. And so if that's you today, I just wanna give you an opportunity to receive it. And uh, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna pray a prayer out loud and I'm gonna invite you to just pray it silently with me. If you say, you know what, I'm ready to commit my life to Christ because now I believe that God could accept me. You could pray this prayer silently. God of heaven, great creator, I acknowledge who you are, that you are the almighty, that you are the all powerful. And today I do acknowledge, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my sinfulness. I thank you that Jesus died for my sins. And as a result, God, I thank you that you extend your grace and your forgiveness to me. I believe that Jesus rose from the dead. And today I commit my life. I commit my life to following Christ. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your grace. Thank you that you now accept me. Thank you. With your head still bowed, just so I can pray for you, nobody's looking around. But if that was you this morning, you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just raise your hand? Just right where you're at, I just wanna pray for you. Yep, love it. Awesome, who else? You just say, that was me today. Awesome. I never understood God's grace before. I never thought that I could. Anybody else? so good love that love that got you I got you that's awesome awesome love that anybody else so good Father thank you again thank you for your grace thank you for what you're doing here thank you for this body of believers God I thank you for those that you you just really revealed yourself to you today, God. You spoke, you spoke, and we receive your word. Thank you that you are the God of grace. God, would be as your people now. Would we live in that grace? Would we fully receive it? And then, Father God, would we extend it? Would we extend it as your people? Would we extend grace? Thank you, Lord, thank you. And why don't you sit there for a minute and just let the Lord speak to you. Let the Holy Spirit speak. More important than anything I have to say today, let the Holy Spirit just speak to you whatever he desires. Thank you, Father. Thank you that you make us clean. We just say your grace is a good thing. It's so much better than fair. Thank you, Lord. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.